0: The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. The the for Bay Silver or grey, take your feet. nothing great about the day here. It's wonderful weather for a Sunday afternoon. Swelling the crowd even further. And as mentioned, it's by no means one way here, the support. Benfica have a tremendous following. I think that surprises many of us who visit every year for the International Champions Cup, actually just how well supported they are across the United States. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to episode seventy-nine of Mister Benfica. I am your host, the Mister Mike Agustinho, and in this episode today, it's all about the UEFA Youth League final, Benfica and Real Madrid U19s, and um, well, it's another European final, and it's a familiar feeling. However, I don't, I don't buy into this. Listen, I. I said a long time ago I don't buy this whole Gutman curse. Uh, you can l- find logical reasons why Beifika lost each final, and then to extend that curse to the youth, the youth <laughs> uh, teams is is a little bit stretching it for me. And um, well, if you're gonna include, if you're gonna include the youth teams. In the curse, the quote-unquote curse that I don't believe in. Uh, well, then you have to include all the dodge as well. And guess what? We've won European titles in those. Bella Gutman said that if it's true, the legend says Benfica would not be European champions for the next 100 years. He did not say European men's football senior, junior, whatever you want to call it, men's football champions. He said European champions, okay? First of all, I think the whole thing is ridiculous, okay? And it just feeds into, into an already ridiculous media circus that is the Portuguese media. And now the foreign media is catching on to this thing just because uh, somebody made it up somewhere at some point. Even if, I mean, listen, even if, if Bella Gutman said something like this, I don't believe Bella Gutman has any power over any results, this is ridiculous. We're grown adults here, anyways. Back to the match that is in hand. There's very explainable, logical reasons why Benfica lost this match. I'm going to spend the next hour or so going over those with you. All right. Um, heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. No doubt about it. I think our boys showed a lot of fight and a lot of character, but they also showed something that is all that is consistent with Benfica finals, and that is inefficiency that is lack of a focus defensively i mean if you re- if you remove the two emblems on the jerseys and you're just playing white team versus red team any onlooker any neutral onlooker would say that the the red team is by far the better team okay you player for player i don't even think you can compare that real madrid to our team okay yeah they're real madrid so the name and the badge carries a lot of weight And perhaps our team respected that badge a little too much in the beginning. I don't know. Uh, There's some... The lineup's a little questionable to me, okay? Um, However, it all started in the semifinal, okay? It all starts with... Players picking up needless. Paulo Bernardo picking up a needless yellow card in the quarterfinal, which resulted in him picking up a needless one in the semifinal and missing the final. One of our best players. That is the reason you lose these finals. You cannot have that lack of discipline. Okay. And while everybody else is 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 you know talking about a curse or talking about bad luck, well, there was some bad luck, but there was also some things we could have controlled that we didn't, and it led to the ultimate demise in this match. Okay. But. But there's a lot of positive to take from this. Okay, Benfica are going to be back. Benfica are one of the best youth teams in the world. They've shown it now that we've been in this final three times, okay? I don't care what some other team up north wants to say. They made it once, okay? They had one good run. Congratulations. In 10 years, let's see how many of those players are are even known from the team that, that won it last time, you know? You look at teams that win U20 World Cups. You look at teams that win U17 World Cups, and then you fast forward ten years, and most of those players are in second and third divisions. So let's not get carried away and think that this this is somehow indicative of the future. Okay? Yes, it sucks because we should have won this trophy. But could deserves, at this point, to have a UEFA Youth League trophy in our museum. We've been by far the best academy in the world in the last 10 years. There's no question about it. The fact that our rivals need to to make a comment about it proves my point. The fact that they need to go to social media, (laughs) I think it's hilarious that they're taunting kids now with, with pictures and talking about the only Portuguese team to win. Well, you know what? You're also the only Portuguese team in a lot of bad things too. I'll get to them in the final segment, okay? that I'll respond to their, uh, their ridiculousness in the final segment. What you're about to hear, okay, is a co-production. What I mean by that is this exact audio that you're going to hear in the next two segments covering the match will be the same exact audio you'll hear on the PTV network Europa... I'm sorry, UEFA Youth League Review Show that will be out around the same time as this episode, okay? So um that so if it sounds like I'm coming from a more neutral neutral perspective that's why I'm probably will not be coming from much of a neutral perspective but if in fact it plays out that way all right that that is why because I am I am doing a show for the PETV network as well as for Mr. Benfica so I'm speaking to different different audiences if you will now after that in the final segment, it will be exclusive to Mr. Benfica, all right? And that's where I'll react to those to those clowns up north and their social media department that is about as professional as my son's four-year-old play group at, at the local library, okay? I think they have more common sense. My, my four-year-old son has more common sense in his brain than the communications department at that club. Um, so that... There'll be an exclusive Mr. Benfica segment to close out the show. All right, so this is episode seventy nine. I am the Mr. Mike Augustine. You can follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mister on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. You can check out the website. That is currently still getting a facelift. It'll be brand new soon. I know I've been saying that for a couple episodes, but very very soon now, it'll you'll see a whole different look on www.mrbenfica.com and of course on YouTube. Check out the ch- the channel. The exclusive uh, segment will will also be available as a video on on the Mr. Benfica YouTube channel. So check for that when you hear this. All right. I'll be right back after this quick ad while well, we quickly pay a bill. We'll get Reconquista in. We'll get the UEFA Youth League anthem in. And then we'll get to the meat of of the, the conversation. We will get to the UEFA Youth League final 2020. All these months later, late August, it's Benfica under-19s versus Real Madrid under-19s here on Mr. Benfica. We'll be right back. Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o um eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica a nossa voz De todos nós ah, Até que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz De querer de todos nós o querer de todos nós ah. Manto sagrado é peso pesado Não o carrega sozinho Em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho o vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Conquista do que é nosso Por direito que não fico Por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força Sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora Nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos e o um eterno bem. abrigo Ouve nossa voz O querer de todos As nós, 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 nós. A fé que não nós se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica bem. Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós and welcome back to this special co production here of Mr. Benfica, episode seventy nine and the PTB uefa youth league review show all right so this portion of the program is going to be identical for the two the two separate podcasts okay but the the audio content will be the same so i want to welcome everybody listening now on both of those uh, feeds if you will both of you both listening from the ptb media network um parking the bus feed and from the mr Benfica feed all right we are ready to begin to discuss and to review the 2020 uefa youth league final okay anyone new to this competition the youth the uefa youth league is essentially the champions league for youth teams u19 to be exact so there are two paths to the final okay both of these teams took the same path um that is either the UEFA Champions League path or the domestic champions path so i'll take a minute just to explain the difference so the domestic i'll start with the champions league path cuz that's the easier one to explain what happens is when the uefa youth league excuse me the uefa champions league plays its its uh group stage okay When it draws its group stage, a concurrent competition runs, okay? So when the first teams are drawn into groups for the UEFA Champions League, and this goes all the way back last September, all right, almost a month ago, almost a year ago now to this day, and you have four teams in each group, obviously. So on Champions League nights. Earlier in the day, okay, mid-afternoon usually, the two clubs that are drawn together in the Champions League, their youth teams will play each other. Okay, both Benfica and Real Madrid, the two finalists in in this in this episode and in this competition, came through the Champions League path, so they were both drawn into groups. Identical to their senior teams to their first teams, okay? And they played the the identical group stage that their senior teams played. Alright. Both of these clubs won their group stage, okay, in advance to what they call the the playoff round, okay? And you have it goes to a round of thirty-two that they, I believe they call the playoff round. Okay. So the sixteen teams that qualify for the round of that qualify out of the Champions League Stage, okay, out of the Champions League path, are joined by 16 teams from the domestic champions path. What that is is for any clubs that won their domestic youth league, okay, and I'm going to use the example of Derby County, okay. Darby County were champions of England at the U19 level last season. Okay, they were the youth champions. Of course, Darby County's first team doesn't even play in the Premier League. So naturally, Darby County is not going to be in the Champions League. But because their youth team were domestic champions, there is a separate path in this UEFA Youth League. Darby County played in the, the domestic champions um, path. They were joined in that path by some of the stronger uh, youth teams out there. Like, for example, FC Porto, um, Red Bull Salzburg. Among others, okay, were in that path because their senior teams did not qualify for the Champions League, but they were crowned uh, champions of their domestic youth league. Okay, so there are two paths to this final. Both of these uh, these sides came from the uh, Champions League path. So we have the Portuguese side Sport Lisboa, Benfica taking on the Spanish side Real Madrid Club de Football U19s, of course. This final was played August the 25th in Nyon, Switzerland, very close to the headquarters of FIFA and UEFA. And this was played at the Cavalray Sports Center. The referee is Chris Kavanaugh, his assistant referees Daniel Cook, Sean Massey, and the fourth official is David Kute. And all the entire referees squad is from England. It was 25 degrees Celsius and sunny for this match with excellent pitch conditions as would be expected from an official UEFA final. Benfica would line up with the following 11. And let's just take a moment to recap their path to this final. As uh, we had just mentioned, uh, off the top, Benfica were group winners in the group stage. They were in Group G uh, and they they uh, performed with the following results in group play: two-one winners at home to RB Leipzig, seven-one uh, winners on the road at Zenit Saint Petersburg. They would lose 2 0 at home to Olympic Lyon, but then would return the favor in France in the next match day and win three-to-one on the road at Olympic Lyon. They would continue their winning ways with a three-nil victory on the road at RB Leipzig. And finished the group stage, already group winners, with a 1-0 victory at home to Zenit St. Petersburg. Alright, so Benfica finished Group G top of the table with 15 points. And then they won the following knockout matches to get to this final, winning the round of 16, 4-1 at home to Liverpool, 4-2. Uh, he already in Switzerland at this final stage in the quarterfinals over Dinamo Zagreb, and then a convincing 3 0 victory over Ajax in the semifinals. The starting 11 for uh, for Luis Castro's side in a 4 3 3. If he could go with Japanese goalkeeper Kokubu in goal, four across the back. The right back is Philippe Cruz, the center backs Tomas Araújo and Moratu, and the left back is João Ferreira. A three in midfield, Tiago Dantes is on the right, Enrique Joku is in the hole in the middle, and Enrique Aruju is the left-sided central midfielder. And, of course, three forwards on the right, Tiago Aruju. The striker is Gonzalo Ramos. We spoke about him in previous episodes of Mr. Benfica. Uh, he actually has already debuted in the first team and scored two goals on his first team debut at the end of the previous season. And he comes into this final with six goals in this competition. And the left-sided forward is the exciting and super talented Umaru Embalo, who is still on his return from a devastating injury back in December, December the 29th to be exact. And um, the quarterfinals of this competition about a week ago was his first match since that December 29th injury. Their opponents in this match are Real Madrid, of course, the U19s. And here is their path to the final. They were winners of Group A. And they got the competition started off with a home, or excuse me, an away victory. 2-1 in Paris over PSG. They would win at home 3-0 over Club Bruges. Win 1-0 away to They would win 1-0 away to Galatasaray and win 4-2. They would lose 4-2 at home, excuse me, to Galatasaray um, in a surprising result in match day four. But in match day five, they would win 6-3 away at Paris Saint-Germain and then draw 2-2 at home to Club Bruges, totaling 13 points and finishing top of Group A. In the round of 16, they beat Juventus already in in Switzerland for that match, as their original date for the, for that round of 16 match was postponed indefinitely due to the COVID-19 outbreak. Finally, got it underway nine days before this final, and it was um, already in Switzerland a 3-1 victory over Juventus. In quarterfinals a 3-0 victory over Inter Milan, and then in the semifinal, 2-1 victory over. Red Bull Salzburg. So that brings us Benfica and Real Madrid. So Real Madrid's starting 11 in a 4-1. 4-1. Coached by the legend Raul Gonzalez. That's right. That Raul. The legendary number 7 for Real Madrid. And... Uh, uh, a man I actually had the pleasure of meeting about six or seven years ago um, at a coaches convention. He was there uh, at the time. He was a player for the New York Cosmos here in the United States of the, you know, United States second division at the time. The the NASL. He had just been signed and was 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 present and was there meeting and greeting uh, coaches from all over the United States. And I had the very very privileged uh, pleasure of spending about 15 to 20 seconds with the great Raul. Got a photo, snapped in. That was about all there was time for as they grabbed me and moved me right out of the line and brought the next one in. But he will line up with Luis Lopez in goal. His four across the back, Sergio Santos on the right, Pablo Ramon and Victor Schust in the center. Miguel Gutierrez is the left-sided defender. He's got a traditional holding midfielder. Antonio Blanco, a well-regarded holding midfielder. Many in the Madrid media and in and among supporters believe that Antonio Blanco is, is a future first-team player. He is a natural replacement to Casemiro in Madrid's first team. He's got four midfielders in front of him. Of course, Marvin Park is on the right. Sergio Arribas and Ivan Marante are in the middle with Carlos Dotor down the left. And Pablo Rodriguez is the striker. Entering this final, fatigue could be a factor, and it was noted by the commentary teams. Whether you watch this in English on uh, CBSSports.com here in the United States, or as I watch this in Portuguese on Befica's official club channel, BTV, all right, both both, uh, commentary and wherever in the world you might have watched this, but the two commentary. Uh, Two commentaries that I have heard both touched on this fact of fatigue as after such a long layoff, these two teams have played a lot of football in a very short space as Benfica are entering their third match in seven days after a four-month layoff, while Real Madrid are entering their fourth match in nine days. And Gonzalo Ramuj kicks off for Benfica and gets us underway in Switzerland. In the sixth minute, it is Umaru Imbalou for Benfica. He beats Blanco down the right flank, and then he cuts in towards his his uh, preferred right foot toward goal. Fires. Um, excuse me. No, he does not fire. <laughs> he he beats Blanco and he goes along the end line. Okay, he he carries the ball at pace along the end line, waiting for a late arriver to trail and arrive in the penalty area he plays a cross in but real madrid's center back pair are there to to clear it away but only as far as Philippe cruz cruz gathers it and takes a touch past his opponent but he is met with a full body tackle from carlos Dotor of real madrid and it is a foul and a free kick but chris kavanaugh the english referee leaves the pocket Leaves the the yellow card, excuse me, in his pocket on this call. I was confusing this Umaru-Imbaló play with another one that would come later. Uh, my apologies on this one. Imbaló is down the right flank and he beats Blanco. Gets to the end line and starts cutting towards goal. And then his cross is cut out, like I said, by the central defending pair of Real Madrid. In the ninth minute, Real get their first rush out of their own end. And it is on a counter and it is Sergio Santos. And Sergio Arribas combining brilliantly down the right. And it is Arribas uh, who breaks in one-on-one with Kokubo, But the Spaniard it delays his shot just a little bit in just a little too long because as he goes to finally fire on goal, he is met by a perfectly timed slide from Benfica's wingback, Philippe Cruz. And he is able to block the shot. It goes out for a corner and... Danger is averted by the hard running, uh, hard tracking wingback Philippe Cruz. Through 10 minutes, I noted that Benfica looked the stronger of the two sides, with the majority of the match thus far being played on the edge of Real's uh, defensive third. Okay. Um, Real really pinned. Back quite a bit, and aside from that counter we just spoke about in the ninth minute, Real Madrid have been pinned back in retreat and forced to just simply clog up the passing lanes, and they've been reduced to simply first touch clearances, waiting for an opportunity to break out. Sixteenth minute, and it is Benfica again in possession, but Real now have noticeably done well to adjust, and they have noticeably. Um, pushed forward in their line of confrontation. What that means is Real Madrid are now, they're still defending, but they're defending much much higher up the pitch. They're not pinned so deep in their own end. And you can see that the line of confrontation has moved into the middle third. So what I mean by that, to anybody new to my podcasts and how I break down the matches, what I mean by that is that for the first ten minutes, Benfica were the p- team possessing, and they were possessing for the most part in Real Madrid's defensive third, at least in the higher section of their defending third. So, if you def- if you divide the the field into three thirds, okay, the the defensive third where you find you know the goal that Real Madrid are defending, that is where the match was being played, probably towards you know towards the front edge, obviously outside the 18 for the most part, but still fairly deep in in Real Madrid's territory is where the match was was being played. But now they would made a couple adjustments, and they've been successfully able to move their line higher. Okay, so now the match, even though Benfica are still the team possessing, the possession now is occurring in the middle third in a far less dangerous part of the pitch. And, and Real Madrid are going to be happy to allow them to possess. They're much happier to allow them to possess in that portion of the field than deep in their own end. And... We have a moment here in the 16th. Like I said, Benfica in possession now. Okay, 16th minute. And um, despite Raul Raul doing well to push forward, uh, Benfica do show some patience on this sequence of passes as they knock the ball around, continuing to find the open guy. Eventually, the ball finds its way to Umaru Imbalo, and the speedy winger, has a go at it as he decides to run at pace at Sergio Santos, and he beats him, and this is the play I was starting to read off a moment ago in the sixth minute. This is when he actually cuts in at pace onto his preferred right foot and fires from from middle distance, I would say, about 25 yards, 20 22 meters or so from goal. Umaru Imbalo fires to the left, to the left, uh, sorry, to the far post, uh, to the goalkeeper's left, Luis Lopez is left, and he is uh, just wide of the far post. But a good effort, good thought, and a good um, just a good all around display of patience from Befica. and a good uh, decision making ability and good decision making there from Umaru Imbalo to create enough space to get the shot off. The twentieth minute, and I noted that the match has started to even out a bit after the first ten minutes. Following um, the following 10 minutes or the preceding 10 minutes after the initial ones, Real uh, now is starting to see the ball even and are trying to attack themselves. And they are finding the feet of Marvin and Arribas, who are uh, two of their real dangerous attackers. And you can see, even if you'd never seen the team play before. As I honestly admit, I had not seen Real Madrid's U19s play yet. Um, You could see quickly that these were two players that they were going to attack through and they were going to look for in transition. 26th minute with a bit of build-up play now. It's Real uh, working the ball around, swinging it from left to right along their back line. It finds its way to the right where Sergio Santos is, and he picks out a checking Sergio Arribas. Arribas uh, is allowed all kinds of space to turn. Far too easily. Uh, this is this is something I noticed in watching the match a second time. Didn't pick up on it so so candidly uh, when I watched the match live. But in re-watching it, I noticed just how many times Befica allowed Sergio Arribas to check to the ball and turn. As nobody would trail him in and keep him facing his own goal. And what happens is when Arribas is able to turn... He, he he looks and he feeds Marvin down the down the flank. Okay, he, he takes one look, knows where his teammate is. Marvin is running down the right flank at pace, looks to cross, but his cross is blocked out of play by Moratu. And it goes out for a throw in, but Marvin wastes no time. He goes to get the ball himself, throws it in to Sergio Arribas. Arribas again. He receives the ball facing the touchline with his back to where he wants to go on his less preferred right foot and Befica allow him the time to turn around face goal put the ball on his preferred left foot and Arribas delivers a across with his left foot in swinging and have a listen here. Now Arribas with the So it is Pablo Rodriguez heading it home, all right, in the 26th minute to make it 1 0. It was a nice cross in from Sergio Arribas, and Pablo Rodriguez heads it home. It is 1 0 to Los Blancos on a play where Benfica's defensive players are completely asleep. All right, talking about this from a Benfica perspective for a minute. Um, Again, watching the game live after the game ended, I thought Benfica were were victims of some really bad luck. Um, I thought that they thought they were by far the better team. Okay, on the first w- sitting, I start to get a little bit of a different sense watching the match again. This is one play where, when I was watching it live, you know, I just said, "Oh man, how unlucky," or "Where was the defense?" But really, when you watch it a second time and you really freeze it. Okay, and you look, Benfica's defensive positioning is, is nowhere to be found. It looked like they took four attacking players and put them along the back line and called them a defense. I know that's not the case, but they completely fell asleep on this play. All right. They leave Pablo Rodriguez all alone. It's it's three Madrid attackers on the edge of the six-yard box against two two Benfica essentially wingbacks, two of Mexico's shortest players. This was horrible. This should never happen. This is a situation that should not happen. Central defenders should not be pulled out of position like this. What happened is Morato gets pulled out on the play, okay, and he goes to try to block the cross from Marvin. Marvin heads up play for an 18-year-old, just picks up the ball and throws it while Morato is still out of position. Arribas allowed to turn, like I said a minute ago because Befica's back line is out of position. Again, they're in disarray. They're looking around at each other, trying to figure out where they have to go. And that allows, that allows Arribas to just turn around, put the ball on his preferred foot, look up, see his teammate in a perfect position, and put it right on his head. Uh, Pablo Rodriguez heads it into the goal. It's 1-0 to Real Madrid. And it had nothing to do with luck. And it had everything to do with horrible positioning and even worse, marking. And um, as he heads it home, Pablo goes down suddenly in pain. And we quickly see the medical staff on the pitch. And they wrap his thigh in tape and send him back on. Benfica find themselves trailing again 1-0 as they did in the quarterfinal against Dinamo Zagreb. Um, for my liking as a Benfica, this team, as well as they played in this run and in this competition... And as well as they tend to play at this age group, okay, it's beautiful football. But I'm always concerned with the amount of goals they surrender. And I do believe that defending has gone completely out of out of the rubric, completely out of the curriculum in football um, development at, at not just at Benfica, but at so many clubs. And right here, this is an example of just... The players not either not being focused or not being prepared to play a team of this caliber. But in the twenty-ninth minute, okay, Pablo cannot cont- cannot continue. Pablo Rodriguez, the goal scorer, goes down again, holding his leg, and Raúl has seen enough. Obviously, Raúl realizes he's going to have to replace his striker, and it's a like-for-like switch as Jordi comes on. Pablo is off. And Madrid make their first substitution of the match, thirty-third minute now. Benfica trying to to turn the table a little bit, and they are they do go right back to playing, you know, their game, and and they continue to create opportunities and create space, but they do have trouble getting the ball towards goal. But in the thirty-third minute, the ball is found deep, and it is it is Miguel uh, Gutierrez. On the ball, along his own inline. line. He's pinned deep. He's got nowhere to go. And then a, there is a good amount of pressure applied here by Gonzalo Ramoš, who closes him in and forces the Spanish defender to concede a corner. It's an in-swinger from Tiago Araujo, but it's won at the far post by Schust, the central defender. Good win from the Real Madrid central defender. 35th minute, and it is Benfica with a giveaway here in midfield as they are disarmed by Blanco. Okay, Blanco carries into space, and then he threads the needle for Arribas. Again, this kid is everywhere. Sergio Arribas, remember that name? And he has a cross, but it is sniffed out at the final instance by Felipe Cruz, or it could have been a second for Real Madrid. And I noted here that Real Madrid, at the 40-minute mark or so, are show, have shown much better versatility than their Portuguese opponents, and it is it is shown in the adjustments that they've made, and it has shown that they they have shown to be able to both get stuck in and absorb pressure defensively, play deep before breaking out. Into dangerous counterattacks, as well as showing themselves being able to build play out of the back and link up through the different phases of transition. While Benfica shows um, they sh- they show to be clearly the more skilled of the two sides. I I, I stand by that statement. Benfica's players, one for one on one, or you know player for player, a much better team or a much better group of of players. I think Befica are hurt, in a sense, by the fact that these players come together for this UEFA Youth League, but then on the weekends play at various different levels, okay? So for, for... Whoever's not familiar with the setup at Benfica, the, these players do not play as the U19 team every week. In fact, almost none of them do. Very few of them actually play in the youth ranks on, on the weekends. Okay, Most of them play either in the squad's B team or in the squad's U23 team, All right, which is a great model of development. But it hurts the collective when they come to these competitions and they run up against an opponent that is much closer in 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 quality to themselves okay so in the first two matches of this final stage I think Befica faced a much weaker opposition in Dinamo Zagreb and in Ajax okay Ajax at this this year's U19 Ajax team is not at the level that I expected for certain from a club like that but and now up against the Real Madrid team, that's much more, much more their level in quality. Even though I think that Benfica has better players, uh, Real Madrid you can see play together a lot more, and they have a better collective than Benfica. That I don't think there's anybody that can watch uh, this match honestly and come out of there disagreeing with that statement that Real Madrid's collective is a better unit and that's for different reasons so that's not a a, it's not necessarily a knock on one team or the other it's it's for different reasons and different motives but you see that Real Madrid have a better collective here and you just see that the the Spanish side has is a more practical side and they have a better tactical awareness okay their spacing is better they cover each other better, Benfica, for me, seems overly focused on the offensive side of the game, okay, and that's because they're overly focused on the development, and the model is to sell these players for the most part, okay, very few are going to make their way into the first team, okay, and even fewer are going to make their way into the first team for Real Madrid, but I think Benfica has a much higher focus on on sale of players, whereas... um, Real Madrid's focus, I think, is to get those one or two through into and, and to really um, scour as many players as possible to pick out the diamonds out of them. Whereas I think Benfica relies more on the sale, okay, of these players. Real Madrid has a lot more methods of income, okay, a lot more w- ways of generating revenue than does Benfica, and Benfica relies so heavily on the sale of players. So I think that's partially why Benfica focus on what they do, and if their goals are those, it's hard to come to to a competition where you're trying to get results, which at the youth level is often frowned upon by many, okay. I think it should be a part of development. I think gaining results is a part of developing players. You can't just develop players to be skillful and to be able to play with the ball and to be able to, you know, to be able to attack and to score goals. You also need to teach players to play more than one style, in my opinion, okay? I think you need to be more versatile than that, and I think you need to—if you're really trying to develop players for their own good and for their own career— players, very few of these players are going to play at Benfica. A lot of them are going to play at smaller clubs, and a lot of them are going to have to play a different style. I think it would help Benfica to be a bit more versatile, especially coming up against opposition like Real Madrid. But all in all, those are that's the two differences that I see in the teams at that point at the 40-minute mark. In the 42nd, Benfica worked the ball wide to Tiago Oruzhu, and he drives ac- uh, across very nicely along the ground for the on-running Gonzalo Ramush, but the striker's first touch lets him down, and he is unable to control the ball before it is cleared away by Schust. Now, 44th minute. This is a key moment in the match for me, and this goes back to kind of what I was just talking about, and this is where, especially now having seen this again, I completely flip my mind, or I flip my uh, my narrative on who I thought was the better team in this match and why okay this was a great example of something that's not always visible to to the naked eye if you will not always not every onlooker will see this but I noticed it in in, you know in a second viewing I didn't notice it quite so well watching it live I was being a fan and I was I was you know into the match engaged Watching it much more analytically a second time, I noticed something here, and it's 44th minute. We've I mean, got tons of possession here. Okay, they've got the ball for what seems like an eternity. It's only about two minutes, but it seems like an eternity. Connecting an unknown number of passes together, and and the thing is though, as much as they're possessing and as much as they are moving the ball around, they are unable to get anywhere near Real's penalty area as Everything is tightly closed with nowhere to pass. There is no passing lanes forward available to Benfica here in this stretch of play. Um, every pass has to be square or back, and they keep they just keep going kind of in this in a circle without really getting into that, even into the attacking half of their middle third or into the you know the opening or the beginning of the attacking third. Real Madrid's defensive third, and I. I noticed this watching it and I said this was a fantastic, underrated, and un- underappreciated um, example of beautiful shape from Real Madrid here. From Raul's youngsters. Okay, They have cut out every single dangerous passing lane. The only thing Benfica can do is knock it sideways and backwards, like we said. And eventually, Benfica here start to lose their patience. And rather than keeping the ball here... The ball comes to Enrique Joku and of course hindsight is always 2020. He should have probably he should have probably played it all the way back to his keeper here to Kakubo to force Real Madrid out a bit, but again, the lack of patience we talked about and after having to connect so many sideways and backward passes, I think he got tired of it and he tried to force a diagonal forward pass. He's looking for Joao Freira on the left flank. But his ball is short, and it is plucked and read beautifully by Marvin Park. The young 18-year-old Spain international picks the ball out. He intercepts the pass, looks up with his perfect touch into open space, and then with his second touch, he plays Arribas down the right center channel. Okay, so not quite on the flank, but down the right center channel. Benfica are in retreat very hard. They're running hard in retreat here, and... None more than, than Enrique Joku, who made the errant pass. He's running at full speed to get back. Uh, Arribas, with the heads-up play cuts the ball back onto his preferred left foot again down the right. Plays another in-footed cross. He is looking for Carlos Dotor, who is who is streaking in and is quite honestly going to be open for a tap-in at the far post. However, Kokubu reads it one way. Kokubu starts cheating out to intercept the cross. And Joku, on the other hand, doesn't see that and he slides to try to block the cross. Unfortunately, his slide will redirect the ball into his own goal. Have a listen here, as it is an own goal from Enrique Joku to close the first half. <laughs> C coming as to pick out the, torn at the far post. Oh. The and, the- and that own goal from Enrique Joku will send Benfica into the halftime team talk with their heads down. Real Madrid, on the other hand, are going to go in ecstatic to be ahead 2 0 And I'm going to take a quick break here. All right, this is uh. This is going to be a quick break. And on the other side, we will we will get into the second half of this review of the UEFA Youth League Final 2020 here on the PTB Media Network. F- follow me on Twitter, both at PTB underscore media. And also, if you're a fan of Mr. Benfica, and if you're listening on the Mr. Benfica feed, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. and on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. We'll be right back with the second half. And welcome back to this review of the 2020 UEFA Youth League Final between Real Madrid and Benfica. Alright, so as we know at halftime, the score is Benfica 0, Real Madrid 2. Alright, so Benfica, despite all their possession and all their play... And all of the quality that they have shown, they have absolutely zero opportunities at goal in the first 45 minutes. Zero. They had no opportunities at goal at all in the first 45 minutes. And you could even say, Benfica, and I would actually, after rewatching this game, will say, Benfica were actually lucky to only be down 2-0. Yes, they were unlucky to surrender an own goal right at the end of the first half, right at the death. But, but um, Real Madrid could have easily doubled their lead on a couple of occasions before. Then it, it wouldn't have been uh, out of the question, and it wouldn't have been you know harsh if if Real Madrid had scored another goal or two in that first half. That is just the the reality of how the game played out. One team was was creative and was. Uh, positive, if you will, and was moving the ball and creating things, but incredibly ineffective. While the other team was pragmatic and was strategic and incredibly efficient. I think like I said ineffective a mo- moment ago. I would say inefficient. Mexico were inefficient. Real Madrid, very efficient. And that's why they went into the break ahead two goals to nil. As a result, Benfica make two changes at the half. Luis Castro subs on um, midfielder Ronaldo Camara, replacing Philippe Cruz, which moves left-back João Pereira to the right side to, to replace. Philippe Cruz was the right wing-back. Tomas Araujo moves from forward to left-back. That's his other position. Yes, Tomas Araujo. Excuse me, Tiago Araujo. Not too much. Tomáj Aroujo is the center back. Tiago Araújo is the forward slash back. So he plays either as a winger or as a wing back. And he moves to left back, making room for Ronaldo Camara in the midfield. And also uh, holding midfielder Rafael Brito is on replacing the incredibly unfortunate Enrique Jacu uh, Joukou, who... um. As you heard there at the end of the first half, first gave away the ball on that second goal. And then in an attempt to track back, in an attempt to win the ball back after losing it, you know, it accidentally redirected the ball into his own goal. So he his day ends on that type of misfortune. Very hard day for the talented holding midfielder Enrico, Enrique Jauku. Okay. And Benfica are, of course, missing a key midfielder in this match. And he is sorely missed. Paulo Bernardo, I talked about in the previous episodes of Mr. Benfica, uh, Very showed some real lack of discipline in the quarter and semifinal to pick up needless yellow cards uh, at That in those two g- matches. And you can't afford that when you're trying to win a trophy. Okay, you can't afford to sit out. A final that can be career-changing, that can be life-changing. When the eyes of the world are on you, the way that that they were in this final, Paulo Bernardo was in the stands watching because he, he committed needless fouls and was booked without needing to be in, in the two previous matches. And hopefully he learns from that and going forward as a senior player. These are not mistakes that are repeated. It drives me crazy to this day. You see players miss World Cup Finals. Because they took their shirt off in a quarterfinal. And then, you know, had to had to pick up a foul because the situation called for it in a semifinal or something. Pick up their second yellow and all of a sudden their tournament is over. And they missed the final. And it's all because of the needless yellow card they picked up. So, Real Madrid will take will get us started. It is Jordi kicking off for Real Madrid and the second half is underway in Neon, Switzerland. If you can take a short goal kick in the 46th minute and Madrid apply very effective high press. And Rafael Brito, on his essentially his first touch of the game, is forced to send the ball out of play to avoid losing it inside his own uh, penalty area. He's ten meters from his own goal, and he had no choice because it was a poor decision to play the short goal kick to him. He had no choice but to play it out of touch, um, you know, immediately, really. And again, these these short goal kicks look real nice. I know. Everyone wants to be Barcelona and wants to possess and wants to build out of the back. And when the other team lets you do that, there's nothing wrong with it. But again, Real Madrid... Very, very effective in this match. They defended so many different ways. I'm really, really impressed after having re-watched this match. I'm really, really impressed with Raul's team here and how they played. They defended by sinking in deep and and having low-lying lines. Then they'd switch and they'd defend with the high press and force mistakes. They'd force turnovers so many different ways. They'd give you so many different looks. And this was another one. They they kind of sneak attacked Benfica at the start of the second half with a high press and forced Benfica to turn the ball over by playing it out of play. Benfica were able to win the ball back on the ensuing throw in and avert danger in the 48th minute. Ronaldo Camara does well to beat two opponents in midfield on the dribble, does very well. Knocks a diagonal ball to play Imbalo in. Below in. And Mbalo has it and crosses it, but it is headed out for a corner by Carlos Dotor, And nice bit of skill and dribble, followed by a line-breaking diagonal ball from Ronaldo Camara. And the N'Golo, N'Golo do Seychelles, they call him, the N'Golo Conte of Seychelles. Seychelles is the Baypica Academy campus. He has that reputation around the campus, which is not a bad reputation to have at all. If you are a central midfielder, who better to be compared to than N'Golo Kante? And he is one of the younger players on Benfica's roster. I believe he's only 17 years old, Ronaldo Camara. And he does very well here as he breaks Real Madrid's defensive lines with this diagonal ball, playing it into space, forcing them to lose shape. The ensuing corner is from Thiago Araujo and he finds Rafael Brito at the far post but the substitutes header is off the mark but already you see an improvement from this substitution and you see a better Benfica than we saw in the first uh, 45 minutes and you also see Real Madrid having their lines broken a little bit and that is what Benfica need to do in this match and I'm wondering why they didn't come out this way to start the match. There's there's different reasons why the manager may have decided to do things the way he did. But this is a very good change of of attitude and a very good change of of, of mentality from Benfica to start this second half. And in the in the 40 still in the 49th minute here, we have the goalkeeper, okay, it's the four, like I said in the 49th minute. The ball starts with the goalkeeper Leo Kukubu. Kukubu lobs it, okay, into the middle of the pitch, where Kamara is able to outleap his Real Madrid counterpart and flick the ball in behind him, where Tiago Dante is 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 roaming free. Tiago Dante brings the ball down. He turns. He finds Gonzalo Ramos. Gonzalo Ramos. Um, takes it across midfield and turns and plays Imbalo wide on the right and then takes off. So so Ramush takes a touch from the center towards the right, is able to turn by making that, that touch and then he plays it wide to Imbalo on the flank. Imbalo takes a couple touches. Gonzalo takes off. He's looking to get on the end of the next pass and he does exactly that. Okay, Imbalo delivers an outswinging Uh, cross along the ground and let's have a listen to see how this one played out. Players pushing forward, Gonzalo Ramos finally finishes. Perseverance from Benfica. Seven now in the youth league for Gonzalo Ramos and they have their way back into the game. So it's Imbalo with the outswinging cross along the ground. Gonzalo Ramos continuing his run that he started way back after making the initial pass. He hits it first time to the goalkeeper's left. Lopez makes a fantastic save diving to his left to keep it out. Rebound comes out two in a. Enrique Araujo, Enrique Araujo tries to beat the goalkeeper who's down, but Lopez shows great reflexes, gets up and gets right back down to save the rebound, but it's still loose, and on the third attempt, it is Ramuz again with the follow-up, and this time he hammers it into the back of the goal, and Befica have reduced the lead in half. Gonzalo Ramuz picks up his seventh goal of the competition and it is two to one now to real madrid however before you even could blink an eye here's what happened So it was Arribas and Marvin combining down the right, and Marvin makes a nice touch to go around Tiago Araujo to touch it by him and then outrun him while the defender was trying to turn. Far too easy for my liking, um, his passage there. Not good defending at all from Tiago Araujo, and absolutely no help from his center back, um, Morato, on the play. And then Marvin, as he's in, squares the ball across the face of goal for an on-running Miguel Gutierrez at the back post. And Miguel hits it first time. It's on goal. Kukubu gets a hand on it, but he can't keep it out. It goes across the line. It is once again a two-goal lead for Real. Their two-goal lead is reestablished with... (laughs) in the span, I should say, of about one minute. And it is the exact thing you want to avoid if you are Benfica, and it is the exact thing you are hoping to see if you are a Real Madrid fan. That is exactly how you want to see them respond to surrendering a goal. And if you are a Madridista, you had to be very, very confident at this point because just as Benfica looked like they were going to get back into it, Madrid go ahead and double their lead once again. But Benfica do pick their heads up. And they don't quit. And in the 53rd minute, it is Dante hitting a free kick from the right. He finds Gonzalo Ramos in the mixer. But his header is not going to trouble Luis Lopez. It goes wide. Benfica start increasing the tempo of the match now, though. And it is noticeable that... Um, Imbalo is now starting to get a lot more support down the right when the ball finds its way to him. The new right back, uh, or I should say, as João Pereira moved to right back, he's been able to get forward more in support, as has Ronaldo Camara as well, playing on the right side of center midfield. He's also been able to, to along with Pereira, form a triangle there of support with Uh, Umaru Imbaló down the right. And Camara and Brito are also doing a a good job as they entered the match. And they have had a positive impact um, entering the match. While Real Madrid are noticeably in retreat. They're beginning to wear physically. You can see that they are beginning to tire. And Benfica are looking to take advantage of the signs of fatigue on their opponents And that fatigue also is due to the fact that Real Madrid played one more match than Benfica have in the previous nine days. And remember before that, it was a four to five month layoff with no matches played due to COVID. 57th minute, and it is Imbalo now again down the right. And this time his cross is off Schust and out for a Benfica corner. The ensuing corner is taken by Tiago. And he fires it into the mixer with an in-swinger. So it's Gonçalo Ramos getting on the end of the Tiago Araujo corner kick. The in-swinging corner kick off of Tiago Araujo's left foot. And it is the striker getting his head on the ball, doubling his tally, and joining Atalanta's Roberto Piccoli atop the golden boot race with eight goals in this competition, the UEFA Youth League, of course. And more importantly, reduces Real Madrid's lead back to a goal it's 3-2 now with a half hour to play and I know for myself as a Benfica supporter this had me excited this had me believing again this was exactly what Benfica needed to do after surrendering so quickly they needed to get right back into it get it back to within a goal you could see Real Madrid was tired you could see that they were coming undone a little bit but um you knew that if 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 Real Madrid could have survived the next ten minutes or so, that I think that Benfica would start to panic, and I think that if they had not pulled you know closer, that you could have seen a a side here from Benfica that may have begun to give up had had this not happened. So, but very very important goal from Gonzalo Ramos. Eighth goal in the UEFA Youth League, like we said. 14th on the season in all competitions at all levels. And, of course, two of those goals, like we said, came in the Portuguese first division for the first team in the penultimate match of the 2019-2020 season. 63rd minute now, and it's Umaru Imbaló. He goes into the book here for a foul on Carlos Dotor. And he injures himself in the process. And a it's a definite blow to Benfica's hopes here as the look on Imbalo's face says it all as he's holding his hamstring. And then he drops to the ground and he hides his tears in his jersey. Hides his head, if you will, his face inside his jersey as the tears start to come out when he realizes that his UEFA youth league final is over and that he his UEFA youth career is over. He's he's a senior player now, if I'm not mistaken. He is um I believe he's already nineteen years old and that is it for him at this level. And it is an emotional moment for the player who spent eight months injured, out of action. And or oh, I should say he he wasn't injured for eight months. He was injured and then the COVID uh stoppage came so a total of eight months without playing and perhaps it was just a case of too many minutes too soon for the very talented portugal youth international umaru imbalo and he is replaced by luiz duke as it is the 64th minute and it's luiz Lopsh, also known as luiz duke not to compare Not to confuse him with Luis Lopez of Real Madrid, the goalkeeper. So Luis Duke is the name he goes by. But his real name, birth name, Luis Lopes. uh, He replaces Umaro Imbalo. And after the eight-month absence, like I said, probably just a bit too much playing. um, And the hamstring just couldn't handle, you know, all these minutes in such a short span of time. And... At this point, I did note that Real begins what I call a legendary run of time-wasting here with players spending eternities on the pitch, uh, killing killing play and momentum at every opportunity. And it wouldn't be long. It was two minutes later, and it was Marvin Park going down. Okay, he stays down for quite a while. Raul forced to make a substitution. It's Chavi Cintes. Coming on, replacing Marvin Park. So, Real Ma- one of Real Madrid's most atta- uh, dangerous attacking players is off, and his replacement is a def- more defense-minded midfielder to replace him. Cintes replacing, like we said, Marvin Park. And it, this this was comical because as soon as the ball is about to be thrown in, okay, the referee is waving to restart. And down goes Miguel Gutierrez right at that moment. And you can see the Benfica players (laughs) lose their patience real quickly. This gets under their skin a little bit. But he goes down, and he is going to be subbed off as he cannot continue either. Gets up and limps off the field. Raul sends on Alvaro Carijo. and Carijo replaces Miguel Gutierrez. And you get another defense-minded substitution. As the wing back is replaced by a central defender, who is now being slotted as a left defender, and um, this is good news for Benfica in a way because Benfica are taking control of the match, and in the process, Real Madrid's most attack attack-minded players, or two of their more dangerous attack-minded players, have come off in injury, 67th minute, and now Benfica in total control of the match. As, like we just said, two, two of Real's best players have been subbed off. And there is some nice link-up work down the down the center here between Brito Camara and Thiago Dantes. And Thiago Araujo there with an overlapping run and, on the left. And he is played in. Crosses for Enrique Araujo, no relation, who is cut down by Pablo Ramon in the area and the referee does not hesitate blows his whistle and points to the penalty spot and here is Benfica's chance and uh, for some reason right uh, right away i had i had an uneasy feeling about this this penalty kick maybe it's because i've just seen Benfica play in too many finals and it doesn't matter if it's the senior team or the youth team now um there's this thing in the club, and I think this is perpetuated by supporters of the club and by the media. This is an unhealthy perpetuation of this ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous belief in a curse that was supposedly put on the club by by um by Bella Gutman when he left the club the second time, not the first time, the second time, in which he said that Benfica would never again win a European Cup. Now, for the first time in ever, this apparently applies. People believe this applies to the youth team as well. I say if that's the case, then it should apply to the entire club in all of the sports, all of the modalities. And it doesn't because we have won European championships and other modalities um, throughout the years. Not to mention, you know, sports like rink hockey and um, futsal where we have been European champions. So that is... a uh, That is a pretty bad claim. So if you're going to make a claim like that. You probably should do a little bit more homework. But it is Thiago Dantes. The captain stepping up. And for some reason. Even though he is usually money on these. He's got four goals from the spot in this competition. A total of five goals. In all. But for some reason. Something didn't seem right with me. I thought that Gonzalo Ramos should have been the one to take it. I don't even have any information as to whether or not. Gonzalo Ramos ever takes these. But. He was the the hot foot, if you will. He was on form. He had two goals. I thought maybe this is the time to take the ball. You almost never take the ball out of your penalty taker's hands on a penalty, especially in this situation. But something inside me was telling me that this, this wasn't quite right. I don't know if it was the way that Dante was approaching the ball, if he telegraphed it. I don't know if... If it was because Luis Lopez just looked uh, so big in that goal compared to Dante stepping up to take the the penalty kick, I don't know what it was. Something just told me that that uh, something I was not confident about this one, and unfortunately my fear was realized as Thiago Dante steps up and he play he he doesn't hesitate. He runs at the ball, plays the ball to his left to the goalkeeper's right, and Luis Lopez. Guesses correctly, dives to his right and saves the penalty kick. And it felt like the air just comes out of the sails of Benfica on this failed penalty. And to Benfica's credit, they will pick up, they will pick up their heads very, very quickly, and they will apply some immense pressure, looking for the equalizer. And the teammates quickly pick up their captain, uh, Tiago Dantas, pat him on the back and tell him to keep going. And just of, just a few moments later, another penalty should have been granted to Benfica as Pablo Ramirez, again, clearly this time handles the ball inside the area in the 70th minute, but unfortunately in UEFA Youth League, there is no VAR at this point. It has not been impl- implemented in this competition yet, and it is not used in the final, and therefore it is not a penalty. The so referee missed it and Benfica can feel a little hard done by it, but they had just missed the penalty anyway. Would have been interesting to see if Luis Castro was going to point to Thiago Dante to take it again, or if someone else was going to take it, or if the players themselves were going to figure it out. In adult teams, a lot of times the players themselves figure that out, but at the U19 level, I would expect the coach to appoint somebody. We move to the 73rd minute, and Real Madrid make two more substitutions. Salah comes on for Carlos Dotor and Peter Gonzalez comes on for Morante. Peter Gonzalez is from the Dominican Republic. I He is the first Dominican I can think of to be playing football in Spain or in Europe at all, and to... Not to mention at a club like Real Madrid. So this is a player that I think I'm going to try to keep my eye on uh, going forward and try to read up on it and see how he develops. It's very interesting to see a player from the Dominican Republic, a baseball country, uh, playing football for Real Madrid. 75th minute now and it is Arribas. And he's in on goal. He tries to dribble Kokubo one versus one, but the flag goes up for offside. After the whistle blows, there's a little bit of theatrics from both sides. And as uh, Kokubu is jogging to to put the ball down to take his free kick at the spot of the offside, Aribas is behind him jogging, and I think they're chirping to each other. And Kokubu decides to stop dead in his tracks. He lowers his shoulder, extends his forearm, and it goes right into the chest of Sergio Arribas. Arribas goes down dramatically. Now, this is a moment of absolutely um, immaturity and terrible, terrible discipline from Benfica's Japanese goalkeeper and the Japan Youth International. There's no business getting into these kinds of quarrels at a time when Benfica need an equalizer and the clock is ticking. We're in the final quarter of an hour and he's taking his time to do this and i think this was this was foolish and this is another sign of some lack of discipline which i know is thought to be common at this age group but i haven't worked with this age group a lot of a lot of my career at obviously much lower levels this wouldn't have been tolerated by me at, in any way or any of the staffs that i served on okay uh kokubu has no reason to do this to turn around and to brace himself for contact, and to just basically knock Arribas on his tail. And not saying that Arribas didn't deserve it, but this was not what Benfica needed to do. And Arribas tries to make a meal of it. He goes into full-blown theatrics, goes to the ground, rolls around, holding his face like he'd been sucker punched. Replay shows clearly he got what he got was Kokubu's shoulder and forearm in his chest. He's not holding his chest. He's holding his face. Referee, to his credit, gives a yellow card to each. And Kukubu is lucky to not be sent off, in my opinion. And with a quarter hour to go, Real Madrid are obviously very, very gassed. And they are defending for their lives now, while Benfica for as inspiring of a performance as they're putting in, expiring an effort and very honorable effort that they're pulling in, their efficiency rate is absolutely incredibly poor. And that is the difference in this match at the end of the day. It is the efficiency of the two squads, the the vast difference in the efficiency, okay? And Benfica will continue with more and more opportunities um Throughout the remainder of the match. But they all go by the wayside. Unable to 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 really convert any of these opportunities into a goal. We go to the 83rd minute. And Thiago De Rouge finds Thiago Dante alone at the top of the penalty box. Sorry, the penalty area. And the midfielder has, has an opportunity to either fire or play in one of his teammates. But he can't make up his mind quick enough. He takes too long. And Real Madrid are quick to cut him out. The ball is lost by the captain there. One minute later, 84th minute ball played over the top of the Real defense. In behind, Benfica are looking for Enrique Araujo as he is running. But Luis Lopez is out, out of his box, full speed. And he appears to go right through Enrique Araujo. Clean him right out en route to punching the ball clear. Cries for another penalty from Benfica and from their bench. Ignored by Chris Cavanaugh, Referee Cavanaugh. waves play on again. There is no VAR, so there is no penalty. can need to forget it and move on. Both teams now visibly exhausted. Most players are unable to get it into fourth or fifth gear. Most players hoping to, they are topping out at third gear. As there's a lot of jogging going on. And, and you can see the players trying to explode and trying to get speed. And it's just not there. 87th minute. And it is Rafael Cruz. He goes in the book. Excuse me. Rafael uh, Brito goes. I don't know why I wrote Rafael Cruz. Rafael Brito goes into the referee's book for grabbing hold of uh, of Aranya. He grabs him, brings him down. To prevent the counterattack, we get to the 90th minute. And the fourth official shows seven minutes of stoppage time. Befica will make a substitution in the 90th. It is Martin Neto, the attacker on for Tomas Araujo, the central defender. Classic attacker for a defender in the closing moments as Befica try to get an equalizer here. We're in the 90th, plus three, and it is Dante Carries the ball towards the area from the left to center dishes to Gonzalo to Gonzalo Ramuz. Ramuz looks up, fires with his preferred right foot, looking for the far post. But the Rocket is too close to Luis Lopez, who dives to his left and parries away. But the ball doesn't go too far on the parry. It stays in the area. And it is Ronaldo Camara to get on the end of that ball he collects it, looks up, plays a brilliant cross along the ground right on to the run of Enrique Araujo, who is literally three meters from the goal line. He gets inside the small area, inside the goal area, inside the six-yard box, as we call it in the United States. And Luis Lopez, the goalkeeper, just lays down across his goal line trying to make himself as long as possible. Enrique Aruju correctly or... Yeah, rightly tries to lift it over the goalie that's already laying down on the ground. Unfortunately for the man from Medeta, he lifts it too much, and he hammers the ball off of the crossbar. That crossbar may still be moving today. <laughs> Almost a week later here uh, out there in Switzerland, he hit the ball that hard, and it goes off of that crossbar, and it is a chance squandered. In the dying moments of the match, best opportunity of of the match for Benfica to equalize. And literally centimeters kept Benfica from pulling level and forcing extra time and penalties. I think that actually it would have gone straight to penalties. But that was as close as it would get in at 90 plus seven and a half minutes. Referee Chris Kavanaugh would blow his whistle three times for full time and Benfica will lose the UEFA Youth League final for a record third time while Real Madrid will win it for the first time and just a few closing thoughts on this at first you know I bought into some of the same some of the same th- ideas that Benfica nation were were communicating after this match an idea that you know it's it's it, I didn't be, I don't believe in the Bella Goopman curse I'm gonna be flat out about that that's the most I think it's the most ridiculous thing that that fans having grown up here in Boston in the United States okay this is not to, a perfect analogy but here in Boston for much of my life in regards to baseball the the American pastime okay the Boston Red Sox were believed to be cursed for having sold the best baseball player to ever live. Uh, Babe Ruth to the New York Yankees, okay? Um, someone believed, uh, the you know, rumors, I don't know how these things start, but eventually the belief is that they were cursed for selling the player and that they would never win the World Series again. And it took 83 years for the Boston Red Sox to win the World Series, okay? Now, if you go back and look at these different World Series they lost, you can see why they lost. It had nothing to do with the curse. It had something to do with the mistake. Some, someone was doing something they shouldn't. But the problem is, the longer these beliefs and these curses go on, players enter these matches and start to believe it. Now, these kids, this was the first time I heard this curse applied to the youth, team, which I think is just comical. Because, yeah, they, there was no such thing as a, a UEFA Youth League in 1960-whatever when Bella Gutman left for the second time. It, it To think that even if he hit... In some far-off imaginary land, he had the power to curse a team. To think that he this would include the youth team at a time where this where a continental youth competition was completely even unthinkable, unfathomable, is comical to me. But anyway, the players enter these matches, and you can see. Okay, for, this is from a Befica standpoint, so I, I apologize to any Real Madrid fans listening on the PTV Media Network or any neutrals, but Give me just another minute to finish this thought um, from a Befica standpoint. Especially when you're talking about 19-year-old, 18, 20, 17-year-old kids. They enter the match hearing all this talk of a curse. And this happens to the first team, too. They go into these finals thinking about this this, this drought that now extends, I don't know what, 60 years, I think. We're coming up on 60 years pretty soon on this drought in Europe for Befica. Okay, so this drought longer than any of these players have been alive. Whether it's the youth team, the first team, heck, almost longer than than anyone in the staff has been alive. Okay, and the players take this baggage with them into the pitch. This is with this is the actual curse. The curse is the belief in the curse. They take it with them. And they're waiting for things to go wrong. And Befica started this match well. But as soon as something turned, oh, that, that idea gets into the head. Here we go again. We're going to lose another final. Okay. This is a psychological problem in the club. And it needs to be resolved. I don't know if the team needs a better psychological department. I don't know if the first team coach needs to have a, a hand in the mental training of youth players. I think that's a good. That would be a good step. I don't know how much mental training Benfica does. I know Xavi does carry a psychologist, uh, a sports psychologist, and a mental coach. So perhaps this can improve in the coming seasons, at least in the next two seasons while he's under contract. Um, but I think this is all in their heads, and it shows because. They start to make these uncharacteristic mistakes, not because they're cursed, but because they're nervous and because they're double, they're they're overthinking. Okay, Thiago Dante misses this penalty kick because he overthought the penalty kick. Enrique Joku makes a bad pass that leads to a breakaway because he overthought it because he got un- impatient because they were losing because he's thinking about this stupid curse okay and Real Madrid have every passing lane blocked so he tries to force one it doesn't get through he doesn't hit it well enough and it's short and now we have a counter going the other way and then he's overcompensating by trying to run back as hard as he can okay to win that ball back and he decides to slide or maybe he should have let that ball go by I don't know if there was co- I don't know if there was any communication between him and Leo uh, Kukubo the, the goalkeeper now there's they did say in the commentary that there is a language barrier with Kakubo. He he hardly understands Portuguese. Okay, he's he's from Japan. That's a tough, tough transition to make language-wise. And um, he probably should have let that ball go. I think Kukubu was in position to come out and get it before. Uh, Doutor could have got on the end of it but instead he, he overextends himself trying to save it and he ends up putting it in his own goal because Kokubu had also left the goal had Kokubu stayed home okay had there been had had Joku said you know Joku's ball and uh, Leo Kokubu stays in goal that redirection goes right to where he's standing and he kicks it away so that has nothing to do with the curse that is that is just uh, Overthinking things and then making poor decisions. The first goal, nothing to do with the curse. It has everything to do with abysmal marking from a team that I don't think that I don't think trains enough defensively. I think so much of their training and their development is focused on attack. It shows because they make defensive errors all the time. And when these players graduate through to the first team, they are defensive liabilities, with the exception of Ruben Dias. Every other defensive player that has gone through the academy and gone into the first team is the defensive liability. This is something that needs to be addressed, not blamed on a curse. From the Real Madrid point of view, again, like I said, watching this game a second time, blown away by the maturity in terms of their tactical positioning, in terms of their mental game and their ability to think the game and to think quickly and their ability to switch Positionings and to to fill in behind each other and to get in in support and get back defensively and cut passing lanes. This is a very very advanced. Um, this is a very very advanced preparation, if you will, or it's it's just an advanced level of thinking for a team this young. Okay. I think they did have an advantage that the majority of this team plays at the U nineteen level and is not dispersed among different teams the way Befica is for different reasons. Okay. And it was it was a news article today that I read on it was just in my Google uh homepage. That said that Real Madrid have promoted 10 of these players to the Castilla team. Castilla is their B team, okay? But if you get players, half of them are already there. The others are on what's effectively the C team, the U23s, with a few others playing, you know, week in, week out in the U19s, the younger players. So... I think part of the problem for Benfica is the way that they break these players up and then try to bring them in as if they're a national team to play in the Euro in the UEFA Youth League. Um, I think that co- that's a thing that comes into play here at this point when you're at this stage, the late stages of this tournament against very good teams. But Real Madrid, for for what they can do, they have molded players that I believe are more ready to go. To play at the senior level. No they're not more ready to go play for Real Madrid at the senior level. Not at all. Okay I think they got one maybe two. I One maybe two. That have a chance to someday play for Real Madrid. I don't know. Perhaps Arribas or Martin can mold themselves into it. I think Blanco the holding midfielder. Just like most of the press in Madrid believe. I think he looks like he has the characteristics. To maybe make that jump at some point. But um are players i can see playing at other clubs playing at uh you know playing at sevilla playing at real betis playing at Vaija do cano playing at vigereal you know clubs like that yes celta de vigo but um but if you on the other hand I have a, a more growth to do not in the actual playing of the game, but in the, the thinking of the game and in the positioning. Benfica's players far more superior in skill. There's no question. But now they have to add the rest of the game in order to be successful professionals. That's just my analysis over these three matches and what I saw. Alright, that's going to wrap it up for this very special edition. Unless you're listening on the Mr. Befica feed. If you are, there is an exclusive exclusive segment coming for you next where i react to a certain unnamed rival team and their little antics following this final and how they like to put get themselves uh interjected in the narrative and i'm not talking about their fans i'm talking about their board which is just absolutely absolutely disgraceful i'm gonna sound off a little bit on that for you in the next segment if you're listening on Mr. Befica, if you're listening on the PTB Media Network on the parking the bus feed I'm going to be signing off I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu all right and you will you can catch me later this week with the review of the UEFA Women's Champions League final and the Hyundai A League final still coming to you this week on the parking the bus PTB Media Network, but for everybody on Mr. Benfica, I will be right back with an exclusive segment just for you. Welcome back to episode 79 of Mr. Benfica, reviewing the UEFA Youth League final. We just reviewed the entire final. Special hello to everybody now watching on YouTube, all right, if you're joining us on YouTube. For the first time, hello, welcome. My name is Mike Agostino. I am the mister, the host of this podcast, the Mr. Benfica podcast. And this is an exclusive segment just for Mr. Benfica. As you know, the entire podcast you just listened to was a co-production. So it was the same exact episode for Mr. Benfica and for my PTB UEFA Youth League Review show on the PTB network, okay. On my network of podcasts, so this I was killing two birds with one stone, but I wanted to enter with this exclusive segment for all for my Mr. Banfica listeners, the ones that have been here now for 79 episodes. We are still here. Can you believe it? It has been like a year and a half now. (laughs) We go back to February of 2019 when this began and now here we are in it's after midnight so it is now September the 1st um it is September the 1st 2020 and we are we are moving towards the 2020 2021 season but this is the final um match to review from 2019 2020 so i want to first thank everybody who has followed me all season um i do still have more episodes to come before the new season begins i have been telling you about and i am working diligently on that i also have a developer working on mrbanfica.com so that is coming along it's taking a little longer than than expected but (laughs) i i am i have a lot of i had a lot of requests for this developer so i think that you're going to like the website very soon when it launches Uh, if you don't know by now, I have sort of officially launched the PTB media network. So I have combined with a partner I've combined with Leo Kukakis of Gens United. Um, he is my normal guest on the parking, the bus podcast every Sunday night. Uh, we do a segment together called the Sunday night sports book. He's into sports betting. His podcast Gens United is all about sports betting. He covers a lot of soccer from a betting standpoint and, um, we work together a lot. So we decided to join forces and make this a network. And we are working right now in hammering out the final details to really launch this network, both with a website, a YouTube channel, and of course, more and more podcasts. So if you're watching on YouTube and you haven't yet Hit subscribe right down there. All right. So you can get all of the content that I put out on YouTube going forward in 2020, 2021. There will be a lot more YouTube, a lot more video content that will accompany the podcast. There'll be a lot more written content as well. As my alarm goes off right now, as you can see here, it is 2:30 a.m. here on the east coast of the United States. It's the time I normally wake up to go to work. So uh <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to get this episode done. This episode took me quite a while to finish. I recorded the episode you just listened to over the course of about three and a half days. Um, it was very hard to get the time to re-watch the match and re-watch it closely enough to be able to analyze it the way that I did. And I think I'm pretty happy with, with what I uh, came up with. I'm really happy with the way that the rest of the episode came out and um, it was like watching a brand-new game the second time because the emotion had been removed. I uh, was no longer rooting. I knew the results, so I was watching and looking for explanation as to why. All right, so why I have this extra segment here, this is, this one exclusive for Mr. Benfica, of course, um, is to talk about this. If you're looking, you probably can't read it Yeah, What I have here is an article from O Observador in Portuguese. Okay because I found that covering the, the topic I'm about to talk about, this is the most balanced um, coverage of it. Okay, So we're going to talk about those rivals up north, and we're going to talk about their bicada, as they call it. Okay, they, they are trying, again, to provoke us. I have never seen a club in any sport, in any country, that, beha- that behaves this way. Not, I'm not talking about fans. It's normal for supporters to provoke each other. It's even normal for players to go back and forth with each other. But the club's official communications department, through their official Twitter page, tweeted the following just minutes while our players are on the pitch, our youth players. Let me, let me first clarify. We're talking about a youth team. While our youth players were on the pitch crying their eyes out, losing another European final, they're being consoled by the manager of Real Madrid, by Raul Gonzalez, a man who many are tipping to be the successor to Zinedine Zidane someday at, at Los Blancos, at Los Marengues, to to carry carry Real Madrid into the next decade, if you will. Okay, a manager full of class. Okay, I said earlier in the podcast, I had the fort. I was fortunate to meet Raúl once upon a time, and he was just so gracious, so humble. In in the fifteen seconds I got to speak to him, he was so happy to meet people and to just take pictures with people. And he's got the class and understands that this match could have gone either way. Okay. This match could have gone either way. He knows that Benfica were the better team in terms of skill. And he knows he caught Benfica on a bad day. Okay. Those morons up north. They tweeted this out. And I've got it right here and I'm going to read it. I'll read it in Portuguese first and then I'll translate like I usually do. From the official FC Porto Twitter. This is so shameful. So disgraceful. I've never... that An official club Twitter would tweet this out. Ready? Recordar é viver. O Futebol Clube do Porto é o único clube português campeão europeu do sub-19. A primeira foi de vez. Translation. To remember is to relive, if you will. FC Porto are the only Portuguese champion, only Portuguese European champion under 19. The first time was enough, or the first time we succeeded. Now, this literally dropped minutes after the final whistle. They had this thing prepared. The headline in O observador here, okay, the newspaper. Very good newspaper. There's not much good media in Portugal. O Observador is a good media outlet. Okay, I listen to their history podcasts. Nothing to do with football. They actually give you some accurate history. They tone down the bias. Okay? It's, it's less political. It's more factual. So that in itself makes me believe their journalism a little bit more. And this article is very even and very... Uh, very, it's very neutral and they just report facts. Their headline "Football Clube do Porto Picó Benfica após the derrota na Youth League. E jovens responderam Futebol Português nunca irá evoluir. That's in quotes. Okay. Their headline is FC Porto Poked Benfica after their defeat in the Youth League. And the youth, Benfica's youth players responded, Portuguese football will never evolve. These kids have a hundred times more class than these adults at that club up north. This is done specifically to provoke. Okay, this is a club, okay? This is a club that when our team goes into their city, finds mannequins hanging from a viaduct, Wearing our uniforms next to a referee, hanging. A club that prides itself on intimidation. A club that wants to to use hate and violence to motivate. I'm not talking about fans, okay? I'm not talking about supporters. Don't tweet at me about things Bafika fans have, have chanted. Don't tweet at me about that or even things players have said. I'm talking about official club board members, club officials. I'm talking about their official communications department. This is absolutely beyond ridiculous, beyond embarrassing, not for Portuguese football, but for Portuguese society. I don't want to hear what some of the comments on a ball, I would say that, Oh, We're saying that now. How about us shutting off the lights and turning on the sprinklers? You're going to compare shutting off the stupid lights and turning on sprinklers to provoking a youth team, to poking fun at a youth team in a youth tournament? That club, there is no travesty fair enough that would make me feel like that club got what they deserved. Not if they were completely busted by authorities and sent to the amateur levels. Would I find that just for them? That is still too lenient on that club. We had the chance. Our club had the chance to bury this club. We had a chance to step on the head of the snake and cut it off. But because our president wanted to just save his money, wanted to put it in China, build hotels, not not put it in players and put it on the pitch we let we let them take two out of the last three titles from us had we had we invested properly 3 seasons ago these morons would be out of work these morons would be just like our other rivals they'd be fighting third and fourth place right now They'd be passed by Braga. Had we done this right, we would have buried them. If we had the killer instinct that they have, okay? I don't like that club, but I respect one thing about them. That is the killer instinct and that they go into every match to win and that they want to ruin us. Why do we not have the same fire? Why do we not have the same hunger to bury them? Now, with that said, this is shameful, and I'm going to read you the response from some of Benfica's players. I'm going to start with please, Rafael Brito, okay? Kid came on at halftime, had a good second half, actually really helped the team. His, his tweet is the one that you heard in the headline. Rafael Brito tweets, Football Portuguese nunca irá evoluir com este tipo de comportamentos. Portuguese football will never evolve with this type of behavior. Kid's 19 years old. He's smarter than Pinto da Costa. He's smarter than Jota March. How about Thiago Araujo? Great, great performance from Thiago Araujo over three matches. This kid can play right forward, left forward, left defense, left midfield, right midfield. He responds to the tweet with, Fique incrédulo com o que vejo aqui. Por isso é que somos bem mais superiores, somos Benfica. Translation. I'm incredulous with what I see here. It's because of this that we are, we are very much superior, we are Benfica if those players in the first team don't have the motivation to go out and kick the crap out of these bastards this year, pardon my language, what the hell is going to motivate our first team? You got them picking on your youth team. If we don't go into that first match, it's not until the 14th round, unfortunately, but if we don't go into that match, wanting to kick their teeth in, wanting to match them physically because they're going to try to intimidate us. It's time we go into the fight ready to fight. It's time we stand our ground and defend our own pride against them. Once they lose that, they have nothing on us. They can't play football like us. All they have is their intimidation. All they have is their physicality. If we go in there brave, stand our ground, I want to see us bury this team so bad. They can't even win a league. They are the defending league and cup double winners. And they stoop to tweeting about our youth team. How small of a mentality does that club have? Are we always in their, in their mind? Are they that obsessed? I think they are. I think they're ill, to be honest with you. I think Porto, as a club, is very mentally ill. They have the inferiority complex and Napoleonic complex that no club on earth has. Except maybe Spartan. They, they, they might be even worse. Here's a tweet from, from Benfica's uh, presidential candidate, João Noronha Lopes, on his official Twitter. de First line means a lamentável. that's a lamentful in English, uh, reaction, you know, a a sorry reaction, and it's a revelation of smallness, if you will, a transformação que queremos no Benfica e no futebol português também deve passar por aqui, the transformation, the change we want, not only in Benfica, but in Portuguese football, has to come through, has to pass through this as well, needs to... Needs to. It needs to have an influence on this as well. Precisamos de melhores intervenientes em todas as dimensões do futebol. We need to have better um, interveniaries in all of the dimensions of sport. I'm blown away. Just when I think that club cannot get any lower, cannot get any more pathetic, they surprised me with that. All right. I have had your attention for almost two hours now. Thank you for sticking with me through this. This has been Episode 79. Don't forget to check out the PTB Media Network, okay, on Twitter at PTB underscore media. All right. Don't forget to go over to the Park in the bus channel and catch some of the shows over there. I've been putting out a lot of content. All right. Parking the bus every Sunday night, eight o'clock Eastern time here in the United States. That is 1 a.m. in Portugal. All right. For those of you listening over there, where I touch on, on some non Benfica related stuff. I'd really appreciate the support over there. Um, also more stuff coming out this week. Okay. I've got a reaction and a review of Benfica Bournemouth. First team match from this past Sunday that's coming in the in a few days, maybe a day or two. We got a game against Praga tomorrow. maybe there'll be a review of that. We'll see if I'm able to get if I'm able to see the match and we'll take it from there and then of course, as I've promised, I have the 1989 1990 season review to close the season and maybe have with a couple days to spare before the new one begins. All right, also this coming weekend. This coming weekend, okay, September the fifth. Be on the lookout for maybe after nineties YouTube channel. All right, um, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be visiting with with them uh, to watch a sleson. All right, we're gonna be covering the nat- Portuguese national team match against Croatia this weekend. I'm gonna be appearing on their YouTube channel, so make sure check that out this coming weekend. All right, and as always. Follow all the material and all the content here on Mr. Benfica and on the PTB media network. And if you're into sports betting, go over to Leo's page to my boy, Leo. All right. It's DGEN's United podcast. That's D E G E N S United podcast. You want to win some money. You listen to that guy. All right. He's the Greek freak. He knows how to win money. And um, he gives great advice and he's got great picks every single day. He's got seven podcasts a week, seven episodes a week, seven days, every single day. All right. Thank you for sticking with me. This has been episode 79. As I said, Mr. Benfica, this concludes our trip through the 2019, 2020. UEFA youth league boys. Keep your heads up. Okay. Yes, we lost. Yes, there's, there's reasons we lost that are on us and not on some stupid curse. Okay. Let's, let's correct our mistakes and let's go forward. Um, there's a lot of talent in that team. There's a lot of promise down the road. Okay. They all have a good chance to be very successful professionals. And I am rooting for every single one of them. And I am proud of those boys and I'm proud of the way that they compose themselves in the face of insults from an immature, childish, classless club from up north that's it for this week for this episode have a great uh, have a great week everybody I'll talk to you in a few days I am the mr. Mike Augustine you and don't forget to follow me on Twitter at bafica Mr see you next time